Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode. I'm so glad you're here today. And I want to start out by asking you a couple of questions. I know most of you listening to this podcast, I'm actually going to say all of you listening to this podcast, are highly driven, highly motivated, high achieving business women and men. I have a few male listeners. And my question to you is, do you ever look around at your success and wonder, how did I get here? When will they figure out that I'm not qualified to be here? Or when will I be found out? I feel like a fraud. Or I have to work my tail off to prove that I'm worthy of this position. Or have you ever sat around a business meeting saying, oh my gosh, so-and-so has more answers than I do. How does everyone know more than I do about this topic? I should know more. I should be doing more. Well, let me tell you, my friends, you are not alone. I have sat around and asked the same questions of myself throughout different times of my career, and especially in the start of the launching of being an entrepreneur. Oh my gosh, I didn't know anything. I didn't know what I was doing. And I thought everyone else had it figured out, and I wasn't quite sure when it was all going to click for me. And so I can completely relate. But what I want to share with you is that this is so prevalent. In my private practice, I see so many of my coaching clients struggling with self-doubt or perfectionism, or they are working so hard to prove their value that they are literally burning themselves out, which by the way, we will be having a podcast episode coming up in a few weeks on um, about burnout. And then in our leadership lab, in our group coaching program, you know, we have women in there that are sharing about career challenges and what's going on for them in different aspects of their lives. And they are so thankful that they are finally realizing that they're not alone because so much of what we're going to be talking about today, no one wants to talk about out loud unless you're in a coaching relationship and people feel safe. But, you know, people aren't going to go around at work saying, oh, I don't really feel comfortable. Uh, I don't know how to do this. And I'm afraid everyone else knows more than I do, especially as you start elevating within your own business or within a corporation, it becomes even more difficult to share those inner feelings. I will tell you that is one of the benefits and the perks of having a coach. So I talk about this with my clients very openly. I give them the psychological safety and the safe space to explore all of this in our coaching journey together. So if you are interested in learning more, please reach out to me to do a free complimentary coaching call to not only find out if one-on-one coaching might be a good fit, but if you're looking to really get into a community of women where you are supported and you're learning about how to up-level your career and how to kind of fight some of these inner demons or saboteurs, um, please also reach out to me at natalie at corecreationcoaching.com to set up a call to learn about our leadership lab. We are opening two new groups starting in September, one on the 14th and one on the 17th. And we would love to have you be a part of it. So please reach out. In the meantime, 
whether or not you choose to join the group or to pursue one-on-one coaching, I wanted to bring an expert in to talk about this subject because it is so rampant with so many women in particular. And it does affect men too, and you'll hear her talk about that. So my guest today is Laura Honeycutt. She is an expert on imposter syndrome. She's a certified coach. And you'll hear her story. It's really powerful. She grew up in corporate in a very cutthroat industry of advertising. And she's a 25-year advertising veteran who led award-winning advertising efforts for multi-million dollar Fortune 500 brands like Walt Disney, Hallmark Cards, Sprint, Kraft Heinz. And she was at powerhouse agencies, including Leo Burnett, 360i, and FCB, all while living with a fierce case of imposter syndrome. Now, she worked with a coach that helped her change all of that. And now what she does is she partners with clients to reduce their stress. She helps elevate their confidence, increase their productivity, and overcome the exhausting politics, bias, and toxic work cultures that really prohibit you from unleashing your personal power. So I'm so glad to have Laura on the show today because the reality is a lot of depression, anxiety, and as we know, low self-confidence are actually the effects of imposter syndrome. And not only that, it's just the mental drain and exhaustion of having that self-doubting voice all the time in our heads. So Laura's here to give you guys not only some of her personal story and wisdom, but also some action steps that you can take to start combating imposter syndrome. So let's dive in with Laura. Welcome to the Lead Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Barron. I'm obsessed with helping people feel more connected to themselves, the people they love, their work, and their purpose. I'm a leadership coach, speaker, self-improvement junkie, wife, mom of two teenagers, and 30-year corporate career woman turned entrepreneur. This podcast will give you the tools, insights, and real honest conversations that will help you lead your life so you can love your life. Let's dive in. Laura, I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much, Natalie. I'm super excited to be here with you. Great. So today, as I mentioned in the intro, we are talking about imposter syndrome. This is such a prevalent issue that I find, and I know you find also in your coaching practice. So how did you get passionate about speaking on the topic of imposter syndrome? Well, one of the things that you probably remember learning in your coach training one of the the things that I find when early on you're in the, the coaching process and you're trying to figure out what your niche is, who you want to coach and what kind of people you want to work with and who you feel compelled to support. And for a lot of people, it's really hard to figure that out. But what usually ultimately happens is I always joke around, you end up coaching yourself. Um, it's so and, true. <laughs> and what I mean by that is you, you know, the things that you end up coaching on are the very things that you struggled with and had to work through yourself. Um, mm-hmm. So for me, in my, you know, in my advertising career, 
I, I really struggled with imposter syndrome. And I even remember pretty early in my career knowing that it was called imposter syndrome. And I can even remember the first time I heard somebody reference it and it was in my very first advertising job. And I thought, oh yeah, interesting. Yeah, I totally feel that way. But then I just kind of set it aside because I didn't really know fully what it was and what to do about it. And so as I, as I started working through my own imposter syndrome, it just became even clearer to me that the way that I could make the biggest impact in the world and ensure that other women did not have to go through this like I did was to actually go into that area to focus my support in. I love it. And that's exactly why I have you on the show today, because you are an expert on this topic. And before we get into more details and dig deeper into your own personal story, um, can you share with my audience, what is imposter syndrome? Well, that's a really good question. And I would say that the, you know, sort of the layman's definition that I would give is when you are incredibly successful but you're constantly feeling that you need to show up in a way that is not authentic to who you really are. And you let the beliefs and opinions of other people become more important than your own, which to me, that sort of bottom lines, giving away your power. And so I find that many, many women and also quite a few men, uh, can be incredibly successful and still experience imposter syndrome. And that's why it's kind of like, I think a lot of people, if they don't really understand what it's all about, they would say, well, I don't have any problem with confidence. But underlying that is you're always second guessing yourself. You're always thinking, I don't think that if I show up in this way, I'm going to be accepted. I need to pivot. I need to do something different. Um, and so there's a ton of symptoms then that cascade out of that. Yeah. And we'll definitely get to that. So thank you for sharing that for those of my audience members that don't know what it is. I think it's really helpful to kind of set the context and the foundation. So let's dig a little deeper into your personal story. How did it show mm-hmm. up for you? And, and it's, it sounded like you had a realization um, kind of early on in your career that this was a pattern for you. So I would love to kind of hear your, um, you share your experience. Sure. Uh, well, I worked in advertising and that is just a really brutal industry to begin with. Super long hours, really, you know, high achieving, hungry, creative people in this industry who are working their butts off to to just really, I think, just to kind of keep your head above water. So, So that is kind of a given for anybody in the industry. I really kind of discovered early on that I just had this sense that I didn't really belong there. I had this sense that I was not good enough to be there. And it was just a matter of time before someone would figure out that I didn't belong there and then I would be booted. And so this kind of followed me throughout my career. And I didn't even really realize that it was going on because I would get to a point where it's like, oh, they're closing in on me. I better bounce and go and work in a different job. And so I would hop around the industry, which is, I think, again, pretty common 
in that industry to begin with. It's usually the way that you make money is you, you know, you jump and you get a different job and you get more salary and that's how you move up in the industry. But for me, I, you know, when I was asked that question, it was not really, I was not really conscious of the fact that what was really happening was I felt like I was being close to discovered uh, as a mm. fraud. And so I needed to leave so that I could start fresh and, you know, be in this new environment where they didn't think that I was a fraud. But then it was only a matter of time before I started getting all of these signals that I wasn't really bringing it in the way that was expected. So that really, that was a 25 year career for me. And at the very end, I had a, a pretty big industry leadership job. And I found that it was so much harder in so many different ways than I expected it to be. I knew it was going to be hard going into it. I didn't know that it was going to be as politically hard as it was. And so what I found was I was just living in fear constantly because I had these massive expectations placed on me and I had a lot of resistance to my agenda internally in our organization. And in looking back now, I realized that I created all of this myself. But at the, at the time, it was easy for me to point to this bully in the organization and go, well, it's because of this bully that I can't achieve what I'm put here to do. And this makes me super anxious because I am already feeling that I'm not good enough. And now I've got resistance, which is making it even harder. And how am I going to prove to them that I actually belong here and that I am the right person to deliver on this agenda? And it just got to a point where everything started to kind of fall apart because what happens when you're in that space energetically is every little thing, like your mind is looking for all of this evidence that yep. you're not bringing it. And every little thing is like a signal of like, oh, they think I'm an idiot. Oh, they think I'm not competent. Oh, they, you know, they're wondering why it's taking me so long to get this done. And on and on and on it goes. And so what happens is you're sitting at your desk every day like, oh, how can I like work this so that I'm actually delivering? And how can I prove to them that I really am the right person for the job and that I really do belong here? And what can I do to show them that I'm worthy? And so you can imagine that results in working yourself to death because like you cannot, you, you, you cannot ever feed that beast. And so it's a, it's an industry already that takes what you will give it. And if you are that person who's like, I've always got to stay one step ahead so they're not going to catch up with me and figure out that I'm not bringing it, then you're going to be working all the time. And so I'm like exhausted and I'm sitting there fretting and spinning on all of these things instead of just doing my job. And so it got to the point where it was bonus time and I got a review that really blindsided me. And it wasn't a bad review, but it wasn't a an overachievers review either. Right. Right. And so uh it affected my bonus. And that's when I'm like, okay, now this is I gotta shut this down because I have actually created the thing that I was the scaredest of. And I don't know what I did to do that, right? And so by that time, I was exhausted. I mean, 25 years of that kind of living, Natalie, you can imagine, it's just, it's completely draining and defeating. So I quit. And 
started having conversations with people in my network who were coaches to just kind of say, like, I feel really stuck and I don't know what to do. But one thing I do know is I'm tired of working for the man. I just have <laughs> to do my own thing. And I don't even have the first clue what that looks like. But as I'm having these conversations, what I realized is, oh, what you're doing is actually pretty cool. Like you're giving me this perspective that I can't see myself. And, uh, and you're asking me questions that make me go a little bit deeper and really explore what, what my real gifts are and what I, what I feel like I'm here to do. And it became so obvious then that it's like, I could do this same thing and other people would not have to suffer the fate that I did in my career. So that's really how it all came about. And that's how I decided to become a coach. And that's how it was very easy for me all along to, to, to just know this is, this is what I want because I'm looking around my industry and I don't see a whole lot of women up at the top. Right. And I know that, you know, we all talk about all of the reasons for that, the inequality and the, the gender bias and the wage gap and the harassment and everything that is absolutely, this is all real. It's all real. Mm -hmm. Those are all things outside of us that are contributing to a problem that we're creating on the inside to begin with. And so if we can't get past the things on the inside that are getting in our way, we're never going to be able to fight against the things outside of us that are getting in the way. Okay, that is so, that's so powerful. And there's so much to unpack here. Um, so I'll kind of start with where you ended, which was, you're right. It's, there are real external barriers for women specifically. And those are hard enough to fight, but the internal barriers almost seem so much worse. And I'm not minimizing the external barriers for anyone, but it's really fighting our own saboteurs and our own minds and our own negative self-talk is exhausting. Yes. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. It, yeah. And so um, so thank you for sharing that. And I'm really curious, the entire time when you started feeling like you didn't belong, did you ever receive any external feedback that that was true? Yes. It would just... and. And honestly, in looking back now, I wonder how much of that was still of my own creation. Mm. Because one thing that I have learned that I know for sure is if, if you create a thought in your mind, you are going to create a reality that is connected to that thought. Yeah. And so if every day your thought is, they're going to figure me out and I'm going to lose my job, or I'm going to get a bad review, or whatever it is, then you better believe that you are going to create that reality. It is just the way the universe works. And so, you know, one of the biggest aha moments that I have with a lot of my clients is when I take them through that process and show them, this is how this happens. This is how you are creating your reality with your thoughts. So we want to work on changing those thoughts, right? But for me, you know, I did have, I did have bosses who would give me feedback that was just really painful to receive. 
And I got plenty of really good, amazing reviews too. So it wasn't like I sucked, but I had a really, really difficult time accepting any kind of constructive feedback because I was just working so hard all the time Mm -hmm. that I just thought there's no way that I should get any kind of constructive or negative feedback because I am killing it. (laughs) Right. Well, and I think I think you bring up another, you know, point that I kind of want to unpack from you sharing your story, which is I really want you to talk about the outer symptoms of how imposter syndrome shows up. Mm-hmm. I know one of them is literally working so hard. Yes. And especially for a high achiever, mm-hmm. which I think most every person listening to this podcast is a high achiever. Um, I think for high achievers, that's so hard because you feel like, well, the harder I work, the more they'll see my worth. Right. And so um, can you talk about, you know, other than working crazy hours, which lead to burnout, what are other symptoms that people might not be aware of, of how imposter syndrome shows up for them? Mm, Such a great question, Natalie. There's a lot. One of them that it's one of my personal favorites, and I use that term sarcastically, (laughs) uh, is uh, not merchandising your value, not promoting yourself. So we're really good at at just expecting that we're going to have, like, we're going to work really hard and everyone is going to notice, and then we will be recognized and rewarded for all of that work. And so then we shouldn't have to call attention to all of the amazing things that we're doing and all of the ways that we're bringing our A-game, because don't they just see that? Uh, And the truth is, no, because they're all dealing with their own stuff, right? right? So you've really got to find a way to call attention to what makes you so valuable and find a way that feels authentic to you to share that. And we have all seen that person or more than one person in our careers who is just so disgusting because of the way that they self-promote, right? Yep, yep. And so you you see that and it leaves an impression on you and it tells you self-promotion is bad. But the people who self-promote are the ones who rise up in organizations and the people who don't, don't. And, and so I would say that's a really big one. Yeah. Um, another one is not asking for help. We want to believe that we can do it all and that acting for asking for help is a show of weakness and, or it shows we don't know something, right? If I need to ask someone how to do something, or if I need to get some advice, um, or a different perspective, then that's bad because I should know how to do all of these things. And that's what I call shooting all over yourself. I was just going to say, I'm like, you beat me to it. I say it, I think on at least every podcast, if not that it's just, it's the same thing Us, we women, like we should all over ourselves all yes. the time. We should know this. We should be able to do this. We should be able to handle everything all the time. It's and ridiculous. One of the favorite questions that I ask clients who are in that vicious cycle is who do you know in your organization who knows every answer to every question. Right. I don't know anyone. Okay. So then what makes you think you are expected to know every answer to every question? 
So, so that's one, another one. Um, I think setting boundaries, which is kind of related to working yourself to death. I think setting boundaries is another really, really big one because we just want to believe that there's going to be hell to pay if we don't deliver on this ridiculous expectation that was set rather than even attempting to negotiate a different way or to sit down and go, okay, I see this is a big priority. So are these other things. How do we work this out? So everything gets done without me working 15 hours a day. Um, so that's a, I think a, a really huge one. And by the way, that also spills into personal life when, you know, there's this feeling that you've got to deliver at the bake sale because everybody else is delivering at the bake sale, but they're moms and you've got a, you know, big, powerful career. So, you know, I think that's another area where we take these, we put these expectations on ourselves that we are perceiving are from other people. And that kind of segues into what I call FOPO, which is fear of other people's opinions. And the sense that I'm going to be judged in a certain way if I do or don't do this, that, or the other. And so I'm just okay. Gonna- I absolutely, I just have to pause there because I absolutely <laughs> love that. It's so true. I, I've never heard that before, and I think it's fantastic. Yeah, and it's so true. It's so true. And and I would say this is probably one of the quickest ways that you can sniff out imposter syndrome when you hear someone saying. I don't want someone to think this, that, or the other. I'm taking on this work that's really not my job because I'm afraid I won't be seen as a team player if I don't, right? Or I'm I'm doing this because I because there's some fear underneath it that mm. something is gonna blow back on you if you don't take it. And so um, you know, that's just one little area of FOPO that is you know, kind of rampant, especially among women. I mean, we're the ones who take on those non-promotable tasks all the time, like planning an office holiday party or joining some low-level committee or covering for someone when they're on vacation or sick or on maternity leave or whatever. And it's like, listen, we all want to be team players, but you've also got a job to do. And that's the thing that you're going to be measured on, not Mm -hmm. whether you were on the social committee. I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, yes. In my last position, that was definitely the case. Uh, there were th- three women in our on our team, and we took the majority of the responsibility, mm-hmm. and it was totally unnecessary. Mm-hmm. So I have a question for you, Laura. You mentioned at the very beginning that women seem to suffer more from imposter syndrome and be plagued by it, but you did, you did mention, and a few men. Mm-hmm. My question to you is, why do you think it is more predominantly um, rampant with women versus men? What is that about? Yeah, that's a a question that I'm not entirely sure I know the answer to. I would say, and this is why I kind of threw that caveat in, like, and some men, because I really think imposter syndrome affects way more people in general than we realize. But I think the big difference between women and men is women, at least if they feel safe, might be just a little bit more willing to be vulnerable than men. Mm -hmm. Just because of a lot of the societal pressures that we've put on 
you know, these gender roles in our society, right? So when I coach men who struggle with a lot of these things, I'm always a little surprised because it's like, oh, wow, like I didn't, you know, I wouldn't have really thought that this is something because they just always seem like they're out there and they're so confident and they're doing it and, and it's not an issue. But I really think deep down, there's a lot more there than we see with men, but they just feel like the stakes are so much higher for letting it show and asking for some support and help to work through it. Yeah. So what I hear you saying is that they're just not as comfortable talking about it and being open about it. Do you you think it shows up differently for men? Because, you know, men aren't planning the holiday parties. And um, so how how does it show up differently for men in the workplace? I think a big way is comparison. So I like to call that comparanoia. Uh, it's when you're comparing yourself negatively to other people and you're saying, well, I, here's the should again, I should be farther along in my career. Uh, cause look at my fraternity brother who is, you know, doing this and I'm not there yet. Uh, and so I would say probably with men, one of the, one of the biggest ways it might show up is feeling like there's something wrong with me because I'm not at the same place that I feel I should be when I look around at my peers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think I would also add, I c- completely agree with you. And I think I would also add to that. I think for men, one is, and I saw this in my previous uh, job, is I think they move around a lot and they take every promotion that comes their way because they're afraid of when the next one is going to come along. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I mean, I saw a lot of people in my previous career just moving constantly for that next role, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of that is fear-based. I I, I mean, obviously, a lot of it Mm -hmm. is opportunity-based, but I think a lot of it is fear-based as well. I also see men, you know, really not spending any family time. And I realize I'm making some, you know, general statements here and it doesn't apply to all men. But, you know, seeing men really putting, saying that their family means so much to them, Mm. but then, you know, putting in crazy hours, being on planes and trains and automobiles Mm. all day long and all week long and sometimes gone for three weeks or four weeks out of the month when, you know, because they feel like they need to keep doing that. Yeah. And I think the other way it shows up that I've seen um, is it's, it all stems from that fear-based mentality, right? I think men can be very controlling and authoritative yes. leaders yes, because they're so fearful that someone is going to find out that they don't have control mm-hmm. or they don't have authority. Mm-hmm. So they overcompensate in yes. that area to, to make up for those inner, those inner feelings. I'm so glad you brought that up, Natalie, because that that was that was kind of where I was headed too. Is like you know we see a lot of this, and I talk to my clients about this a lot um, because that level of energy is a very catabolic, fear based energy that you know when you realize that the that the root of it is fear, and that's why you've you know you've got this boss who shows up with a lot of anger or a lot of control or a lot of finger pointing, you know, who's to blame for this screw up and, Mm -hmm. you know, whose throat am I going to choke over it? That energy all comes from this place of fear and the fear underlying that is I'm going to be 
figured out for not, not delivering at a level that I'm expected to. And when someone else, especially I see as getting in my way of that goal, then I have to crush them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there are plenty of women like that too. Yeah. No, it's, it's true. You bring up a good point. Um, so does it get any better as you become more accomplished? Hmm. Honestly, I think that's a great question. And it probably depends on the person and the level of severity that they're experiencing in the imposter syndrome. But I would guess that for most people, it gets worse as you become more experienced because you keep excelling and you keep getting this feedback that you're great, but you just can't really bring yourself to believe it. And as you ascend higher and higher and higher, you're less likely to get that positive feedback. Um, You start to become on a kind of a little bit of a leadership island where it's like, well, I'm up here all alone. And and I, by the way, I'm, I'm looking around and above me and I don't, I don't see anyone who looks like me or I see very few people who look like me. And so I don't really know who is, is going to help me, you know, feel confident in the work that I'm doing. And so, you know, when you're kind of left to your own headspace to think through those things that's a that's a really dangerous place to be because your mind is constantly going to be telling you these stories that oh you better watch this and you better watch that and you better do this and not do that because something bad is going to happen to you and that's just it's the way our minds work and they work against us but they do it from a place of protection right it's to keep you safe it's a it's a primitive response of our brain to keep us safe by telling us these stories that will stop us from doing things where we don't know what the outcome is going to be. No, that's great, and I and I'm glad you brought it up because um, the feedback piece I think is so important. Um, we have women in our women leading powerfully leadership lab. We have C-suite women in there who literally are struggling because they aren't getting feedback anymore because they are at the top. Mm-hmm. And the feedback now is so – it's so few and far between. Mm-hmm. And it's they don't also know whether to trust it or not because, right. you know um, – and so it's a struggle. And I, I completely agree with you. I think as women elevate, I think if it's not addressed, it can really wreak havoc internally. Yes. I, I absolutely agree yeah, with absolutely, you. absolutely, because left unchecked, Without, without learning how to manage your thoughts, the thoughts will get completely carried away. And, and if you start kind of pushing past that and, and testing some of them a little bit, they will snap you back really fast because like, oh, ho, hang on here. <laughs> You're going into this dangerous territory and we cannot allow that to happen. And that means I got to get mean. I'm going to get mean. And that's where the negative self-talk comes in and the beating yourself up and all of the things that we do to, to keep ourselves stuck in the same place because it feels very unsafe to move past that safe space. Yeah. So that's a great segue into my next question, which is now that we've identified it, we've talked about, you know, how 
you can recognize it, how it shows up even when you're not aware of it. What can we do on a daily basis to really start addressing it for each of us individually? There's a lot of different exercises that I recommend to my clients and um, some of the groups that I coach. And by far, the one that I suggest the most is just a simple journaling process that I call success journaling. And it's, it is just getting into a daily habit of noting and celebrating the ways that you're awesome. What you did that was really brave or incredibly smart or super effective or some kind of a result that you got. We are really bad at celebrating our successes mm-hmm. and looking back behind us at how far we've come to get to the point that we are because we are constantly focusing on the unknown future and right. trying to predict it. And trying to make sure that we orchestrate it to, you know, to come out the way that we want it to, that we kind of forget to stop and look back and go, oh man, look, I've come so far and I've done so much and I'm so incredible and I'm freaking awesome. And so we're so focused on looking ahead of ourselves and trying to orchestrate that future that we don't stop and look back and congratulate ourselves on what we've done to get to this point. It's Um, so true. And especially when you are, you know, as you rise up in your career and you're less likely to get that external feedback, it is so important to be getting it internally. And the more you build that muscle to give yourself that validation the less you're going to rely on other people to give it to you because you just know, I I don't need it from anybody else because I know because I see this evidence right here. So it's just a daily practice of writing down. It doesn't have to be like a super time-consuming task, but just write a few bullets every day of some of the things that it's like, you know, I'm just really proud of myself that I accomplished this or that I did this thing. And sometimes it's going to be really simple. And sometimes it's going to be a really big, giant, huge win. It doesn't matter. It's just the habit of recognizing and celebrating your successes. Yeah. And I want to nuance that and just add on a little bit to what you're saying, because um, I have a client who I love dearly. And we started kind of doing this exercise. And she was like, oh, I'm just going to write down everything I did all day long. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm going to celebrate what I got done. And I just transitioned it just slightly because that can feed still into our imposter syndrome. Like, oh, we're just checking things off lists. And like, it's a good first step, right? Mm -hmm. Of acknowledging what you did get done. But I challenged her to really think about how did you show up today? Mm -hmm. Who were you today Mm -hmm. outside of what you achieved? Because Mm -hmm. so often our self-identity is tied up in how many things we checked off the list and how many things we got done. But it's like, and I even tell people, and I've mentioned it on previous podcasts, like we need to be really doing that for our daughters and our Mm -hmm. sons too, of not just how did you do on the test? Because so much of what we're praised for as children, you know, gets emphasized Mm -hmm. as we get older of really praising ourselves and our children for, mm-hmm. you know what? I was kind today to that mm-hmm. coworker that needed support. Mm-hmm. I was a strong leader today. And I think so often we just don't recognize that in ourselves. A hundred percent. And or we kind of diminish 
the success, right? So I I went and, and did this really hard workout today, but it wasn't perfect. So I'm going to try harder next time. Instead of just going like, <laughs> right. you showed up. Like you, you showed up and you did it even though it was hard. And no, you didn't do it perfectly, but you're you're still getting strong, right? You're still you're still working towards this ultimate goal. And you're still, I mean, I remember they told us this when I would be training for races, is it does not matter how slow you're going, you're lapping everyone on the couch. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. And we didn't mention it, but I do think perfectionism mm-hmm. is absolutely a symptom of imposter 100%. syndrome as well. Yep, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And it's almost like if I call it out first, then I'm going to beat someone else to it. And for some reason, that feels better. But you're still calling out everything you did wrong. Right. Exactly. And and I think as women, I see so much self-deprecation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, women standing up in front of a meeting, you know, starting their thought with, well, I'm sorry, or I don't know how you're going to feel about mm-hmm. this. It's like, what? No. Right. right. You know, really own it. But, you know, so much of that is like they're in their head mm-hmm. and they're in the self-doubt and all of that. Yeah. And if I hedge it, you know, if I couch it a little bit, then if, if it's bad idea or if you don't agree with it, it won't make me look as bad. And I just right. think that's just a big load of crap. Like, it's just, it's it's like, you're just basically kind of advertising, oh, hey, why don't you shit on my idea? <laughs> right? Because <laughs> I don't think it's all that no, great. It, right. Exactly. Exactly. So, Laura, this has been so powerful and so great and such great information you share with my audience. What is one just one lesson that you want them to walk away with today and really understand about imposter syndrome? If there's one thing that I'd like you to walk away with, it is that you're not alone. A lot of times we kind of sit in these little silos of self-doubt and second-guessing ourselves and giving our power away and wondering if we're good enough to be where we are. And we think that this is completely unique to us because this is not something that people talk about, right? We don't, we don't like being vulnerable. Vulnerability is bad to a lot of us. And so when you're in that place and you feel like, wow, why is this, why is this so hard? I'm, I mean, it, it's like this kind of continuous cycle that keeps going and getting bigger and bigger and bigger because it's like the, the more you struggle with it, the harder everything gets. And so then you're like, it, why is it so hard? I must not be very good at it because this is really hard. And, and, and you're just thinking I'm the only one because I'm looking, I'm comparing, I'm looking at everyone else around me and they seem to be totally killing it. And the thing is, what you don't realize is that's the way people are looking at you too. They think you're totally killing it. You're the one who's questioning and doubting and second guessing and, and, and beating yourself up. So, um, you know, really understanding that this is not unique to you. Many, many women suffer from this. And if you are super successful, you're probably seeing, if you see someone who is super successful, they're probably struggling with this on some level as well. And you would be surprised to know that. Yeah, I think that's so true, Laura. Thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate it. And 
I know that you have some support for people who are struggling with imposter syndrome and maybe didn't even know it before this episode, right? And now all of a sudden they're, uh, check, that's me, check, that's me, check, that's me. Um, so I would really invite you to talk about your three-day boot camp, which is called Unleash Your Inner Badass. How amazing is that title? I love it. Um, so, I, you know, I just give you opportunity to kind of share and we'll also have some, um, we'll have the links in the show notes as well. Okay, great. Yeah, so uh, I created a three-day experience, um, but it's not three full. It's just over the course of three days, we meet as a group for an hour each day, and then there's a private Facebook community where we can all share some of our insights and ahas and learnings and ask questions and support each other. It's a really warm, wonderful, supportive community. Um, but the experience is, is each day we tackle a different facet of imposter syndrome. And you know, because we've talked about several symptoms of imposter syndrome today, I could not cover all of them in three days, but I've tried to select the ones that tend to show up the most prominently. Um, and so we dig into thinking on purpose and really understanding how our thoughts are creating our reality and how to start shifting those thoughts so we get different results. We talk about comparanoia and what's going on that's causing you to compare yourself in a negative light to other people and some strategies for turning that around. And then the last day, we talk about uh, conquering FOPO or fear of other people's opinions and really kind of, again, kind of digging into here's the psychology behind what's happening when you feel that sensation. And here are some really simple, they are incredibly simple and, and really fast acting tools that you can use to sh start shifting those things. And I've seen just in that three-day experience some really phenomenal results uh, from the women who have participated in this boot camp. Um, and the next one is coming up in September. And I would love for any of your listeners to join us on that journey. It's just a really eye-opening and um, energy-shifting experience. No, that's great. Thank you for sharing. I'm all about my listeners taking the insights, turning them into action. And this is a great way to do it. If you think you might have imposter syndrome, um, go check out Laura's three-day boot camp. Um, like I said, the information will be in the show notes, and um, I would love to have my listeners join in. So, Laura, thank you so much for being here today and for your time. This was wonderful. I really appreciate you being here. Thank you so much, Natalie. I had a blast. Awesome. Have a great day. Thank you. Take care. Thank you so much for being here today and listening to the Lead Your Life podcast. My invitation to you is that you do one thing today to move toward a more meaningful, fulfilling life for yourself. Today, you have the opportunity to challenge your mindset or have a meaningful conversation or take one action step towards your goals. So what are you waiting for? It would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and leave a review wherever you are listening to this podcast. I look forward to connecting with you next week. Until then, don't wait till tomorrow. Be your best self now. Oh,